0: Hey, everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now, I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. I am so delighted to be with you again this morning. And I hope that you've experienced the presence and the power of Jesus already, as I have, as we have um, just been in this space of of worship. We are diving deep into the book of James. And so if you missed last week, Gene kicked it off last week for us in the first 18 verses of James. If you missed that, make sure you go back and grab it. And uh, this morning, we are going to look at the second half of this Uh, of this passage, but last week, Jean talked to us about trusting the process. I don't know how you feel about process. I'm not particularly fond of it, but it is lifelong. It is a lifelong thing. You go through one process, you learn, you grow, or you don't. Then you go through another, and another, and another. And I don't say that this morning to discourage you, but to encourage you, like know that it's coming for those of you that have kids or have had kids in the past you know that they're going to outgrow their clothes because they're growing. So, same situation. You know it's going to be happen. You can you can be mad about it, but it's still going to happen. I was as I was thinking about this yesterday, I remembered back in the day, I won't do the math, but when Cody was, you know, little, he was he was so full of energy. And he would put holes in his jeans on the regular. And J.C. Penny had this amazing program. I don't know if you, anybody, you don't have to raise your hands. You probably don't even, you probably don't even know. But they had this program that if you bought jeans there and they got holes in them, you could exchange them. And I'm like, well, that's the coolest thing ever. That'd be silly not to do this. Until I realized that by the time there were holes, he needed another size. And I'm like, okay, I'm on to you, J.C. Penny. I'm not doing that anymore. But um, just, again, just recognizing like this thing of process is a thing that's going to happen. And we're going to embrace it. So this week, we're diving deeper. And we're talking about listening and doing. So this life of process takes some action. We can't just sit back. And let life happen if we're going to actually impact and influence the communities we're in. We've got to be representing, that's an action, representing this gospel message of love and freedom. It's kind of like learning to ride a bike. We can't just know how to do it, we've actually got to get on the bike, pedal, like move the pedals before we can actually get somewhere on it. So we can know how to do it, but if we don't actually do something, we're not going to get anywhere. So as we jump into the second half, the question I want you to consider this morning as we're going through this is, are your ears on? Like, are they turned on? So our daughter, Eloise, probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago, one particular day, she was having a hard time listening to her parents, and I happened to be in the room, and. I know you're not always supposed to do this as a grandparent, but I said, hey Wheezy, are your ears turned on? And I could see she kind of grinned a little bit and looked at me and I said, do we need to turn your ears on so you can hear? I said, come here. So she came over to me and I just did this little and I turned on both of her ears. She thought it was funny and she actually listened and we went about, and we still use that phrase Like, hey Wheezy, do we need to turn your ears on? Do we need to turn your ears? Sometimes it works, sometimes she's on to me now. But I suppose you might have this situation with your kids, maybe with your spouse or a coworker. Like we need people to listen first so that then, because usually we are needing some kind of a response or an action out of it, but we first have to listen And then we can do. And what I love about today's verse is that they're giving us another practical way to love our neighbor. And another way that we can act differently in the world that we're in. So I want to dive right in and start with verse 19. Where James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry so first we're quick to listen so we're leaning in we're leading with our ears turned on and then we listen we listen with our heart and we're listening to be able to hear so that we can understand not listening so that we can respond and then the second piece is that we're slow to speak so we're leading with our ear and then following with our tongue. And the third one, slow to become angry. So we're just going to kind of let anger straggle in the rear, in the dust. And I don't know if you, if you follow these three, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It all reflects a posture of our heart. I think it doesn't that sound like love to you? if we can do those three things. But how do we actually do this? It sounds so easy coming off my lips, but gosh, I need Jesus just to go to the grocery store sometimes, to get on the road and drive. How are we actually slow to anger? The simple answer is that we focus on our true identity and not on the problem that is driving us to anger. I just wanna pause and say, anger has its place. I think anger alerts us to, I don't know, maybe to danger, maybe to something that we actually need to work on. Like, hey, pay attention to this. But we can get so focused on the anger or on the people or on the circumstances that are causing it that we lose focus on who we truly are. We get out of alignment. Guys, we talk about alignment here all the time. You may get sick of it. But the importance of being aligned with God, our hearts and our minds in alignment so that we can walk out love. And it's so important that we're aligned because anger distorts the picture. We read in verse 20, He says, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Anger distorts who we are and the righteous life that God desires. It gets us thinking about ourselves, about our desires, about injustice, entitlement. We can't see others or even sometimes ourselves through a lens of love. Anger cannot live with righteousness. So what is righteousness? What is a right life? Uh, Righteousness is defined as morally right or justifiable. Other ways to explain it might be to say it's right living or living right or conforming to the will of God. It concerns ethical conduct. It is the way of love, the way of Jesus, not of self. But anger? It distorts this way of living. I feel really old this morning in all my analogies because I'm gonna give you another one that tells you how old I am. Any of you remember the old TV? Okay, so back in the day when Jean and I got married, which was 35 years ago this today. Happy anniversary, babe. <laughs> um, we had to get off of the couch and walk across the room to turn the channel. Anybody, anybody ever do that in this space? Few people, okay, all right. And sometimes randomly, do you remember, it would just get fuzzy. Like, oh, there must be a cloud or a bird or something. You'd have to go adjust the antenna or the hanger. Sometimes we used a hanger, it worked better. But there was something that was causing static and we actually had to do something to change it. We had to get up off the couch, go over and adjust it. So that's what anger does. It distorts the picture, and it doesn't bring into focus who we are and God's way of living, this, this righteousness. So let's take a minute and look at anger. As I was preparing for this, I thought, huh, I've never looked up this definition before. I wonder, I wonder what Webster says. Webster says, anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility, I don't like that very much. I don't like that definition at all. I thought, that's all it is? Because I have a strong feeling of annoyance on the regular. All I have to do is drive somewhere, and I'm strongly annoyed. I was preparing for this on Thursday before I went to work, and it takes me, what, I am less than two miles from US 20 and then I have to turn left onto US 20. I was strongly annoyed. I was strongly annoyed. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, wait a minute. I did a lot of work on my anger issues. And now you're telling me this is anger? So I was pretty convicted as I went about the rest of my night. And then I remembered the scripture that says, in your anger, sin not. Oh, okay, good. I didn't flip anybody off. I didn't like cut anybody off. I didn't actually even speak to anybody and make eye contact. So maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm okay because I didn't act on it, but it still, still makes me sweaty to think about it. But how else does this play out? What are maybe some forms of human anger that you can relate to? Maybe driving doesn't do that for you. Maybe it is road rage. Maybe it's harsh words. Maybe it's irritability. If you've got kids, strong possibility. What about outrage? Outrage of any kind of injustice or mistreatment. Retaliation. Maybe even withholding love if somebody has greatly displeased you maybe it's criticism of others. I don't know about you, but I see that on social media on the regular where we're crit we're criticizing someone, something. Maybe it's verbal or physical abuse. Murder, hate crimes, destruction. I know those last 3 are like yeah, no, we don't go that far with it. I can think about, you know, I can look at situations where Um, there's abuse and murder and all that. And I'm like, wow, they, they really need to work on their anger. Right? We can look at that and be so judgmental and critical and be really pious. But it's all the same. It's all the same when it's acted on. So all needs to come under that power and authority of God and his love. Because remember, righteousness does not grow from human anger, God is not going to justify our angry angry actions. So how do we combat this distortion that anger brings? How do we tune that TV? There's action required. We have to remember we've listened and we also have to act. So let's read on in verse 21. James says, therefore, in other words, are you listening? Pay attention. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. He's saying, listen up, turn those ears on and then abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. See, we simply cannot live this life of love if we're in this pollution and in this static of anger that distorts our identity. A polluted polluted identity finds us living out of self in moral filth, in this residue of the world. So he says, abandon all those things and then absorb God's word absorb it because that is what reveals our true identity and our origin. It has the power to save our souls. It gets us out of that fog, out of that distortion, out of that strong feeling of annoyance. So I was thinking about absorbing God's word. I was thinking about how often I have to absorb Advil. Jean and I buy it in a, big bottle because, because we are old and we have aches and pains on the regular. And as I absorb it, it takes away the pain or at least minimizes it. It helps clear it. It helps me feel more myself again because pain, I don't know about you, but pain can make me really snarly. It can make me not a very nice person. So we have to absorb. So we combat this distortion that anger brings by absorbing God's word. That may be through getting into these pages. I think this is a really good first step. Because these words in this Bible, yes, they're really old. They're really old. But these words come alive. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've, I've got all kinds of stuff highlighted and written in my Bible, and I might turn to a scripture that I've read tons and tons of times, but it can say something completely different to me, depending on what circumstance what I'm facing. So this is a really, really good first step. Another way for some of you might be to, um, to listen to worship music and listen to those words of truth through music. Or maybe it's through prayer. And the sort of prayer where you don't talk a lot, but you listen mostly. So we abandon all of these thoughts and we absorb the truth that is God's word. But then also, and we read in verses 22 to 25, he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in all he does. God's word mirrors how he sees us our authentic design and this is what combats the distortion. See, when we forget how God sees us, if we read these truths, but then walk out something completely different, we step out of that freedom, we step out of liberty and back into the distortion and the static. Another way to say it is if we perceive ourselves or if we perceive how God sees us as merely a spectator, like just with our eyes only, not doing anything, we're going to immediately forget who we truly are. But if we can perceive how God sees us as a participant, using our ears, brain, eyes, heart, and then acting, we absorb that truth and we're free. We're free from that old life that's driven by efforts and willpower. We're gonna believe that we are who he says we are. We're gonna walk it out. We're gonna walk out love. We're gonna walk out that fruit of the spirit. We don't merely listen, we do. And we activate love. So we listen and do. And I wanna pause. When I say do, I'm not talking about in a works sort of way for approval, but we do out of who we are for the good of the other. So if your ears are turned on and you're choosing to participate, your actions are going to follow. You won't act out on your anger. Again, I think anger has its place. It's like pain in our body, right? That alerts us to listen, something's things. Something needs adjusting. We won't act on it, though. We won't act on the anger. We're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then respond in love. Last week, agene talked to us in verses, the first 18 verses, how we're to ask for wisdom. And I think these last verses, 19 to 27, it's, it's like, There's so much wisdom in, like it shows us how to do this. It shows wisdom in action. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Don't just listen, do, don't forget who you are. There's so much wisdom in these directives. But on the contrary, the unwise will quickly retort without listening. They'll be led by anger, responding with fire live in moral filth and evil, not see their true selves. The unwise will be polluted by the world and sin. They'll gossip, slander, shame. So instead of asking God to fix all the crazy humans he's created that are causing you to be angry or to fix your circumstances, ask him for wisdom. It'll make verse 19 possible. Because in verse 26 he says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. You know those people. But wisdom, wisdom gives us a tight rein on our tongue and it keeps us from deceiving ourselves and having a worthless religion. Loose lips result in a worthless religion. And friends, the world or people that are hurt by the church, they're going to see the hypocrisy and they're going to say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So religion, or I'd rather call it true spirituality, or maybe the royal law of love, we'll dive into that a little more next week. True spirituality that's worth something is gonna look like these passages, specifically verses 19, 21, and 27. It's gonna look like self-control. It's gonna look like humbly and and, uh, accepting and absorbing the word like we talked about earlier. So we're gonna absorb the word. True spirituality is pure and faultless. It will look out for the orphans and widows. And more accurately words um, there would be looking out for the comfortless, the loveless, the fatherless. Like who are those people in your life? Who are the people in your life that need you to make a difference in them? True spirituality is refusing to be polluted by the world and the world's values. True spirituality will walk out the fruit of the spirit and love. True spirituality is when our heart and mind are in sync and aligned with the Father. And that also means if this is all in a line, our tongue will also be aligned with love. Now, on the other hand, if your tongue is unbridled, that's a reflection that this connection, you've lost, you've lost this heart and mind connection. It's like you're out of alignment and it's revealed through this unbridled tongue. So be aware of it when it happens. Because again, I think anger has this place of it reveals things to us that we need to, to put under the authority of God anger reveals when we're being selfish or critical or insert the blank whatever that is so be aware of it and when that anger switch is flipped pause do you ever tell your kids when they're like losing their minds you're like okay wait 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 just time out Take a minute, slow down, let's talk about this. Right, that's, all, that's what's being required of us as well. Like, take a minute. But for many of us, this switch is more like a fire alarm and like every switch that could be flipped is flipped and we are losing our minds. Others of us, it's a little more subtle. Maybe not quite as outwardly noticeable Maybe it comes out as sarcasm or joking. But for all of us, we cannot act out of our anger. So when that anger switch is flipped, take a minute, pause. Take 30 minutes, take two hours, whatever it takes, but take the time to listen, turn your ears on. Listen to what this is revealing. Listen to the voice of God. I mean, we've asked for wisdom, right? So now we need to take that time to listen to what that wisdom is and what God wants to know, wants us to know in this particular situation. Sometimes it's listening to another voice. If you have a mentor, someone that um, is really discerning and wise in in your relationship, sometimes it's taking a minute to listen to them. Sometimes, and this may be the harder one, it's taking the time to listen with understanding to the person that said something to you, that brought on the anger. But just don't let your tongue engage before your heart and mind are aligned with God. So we paused. We've listened, and now inventory. Like, is is anger still present? Or has it at least lost its power over you? Have the alarms quieted a little bit, and then slowly respond. Or you know what? Maybe a response isn't even necessary anymore. If a response is needed, how does love respond? What is the next thing now that you must do? Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to just let it go. Maybe you need to put it in a box, like an imaginary box of whatever just happened, whatever thoughts I had, I am putting them in this box, getting them out of my mind. I have to do that because if it stays in my mind, it pollutes my heart and I cannot love as I need to. So again, we're gonna let anger straggle along in the rear, in the dust. Will you stand with me? Friends, this, this old way, this way of acting out of anger and our selfish desires and our entitlement, it, it has to go. The old way has got to go. Those things that distort who we really are and keep us from walking in love. I looked at the words of Paul in Ephesians 4 this week, and I kind of uh, did a mashup of a whole bunch of translations and my own interpretation. And it goes like this. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. Don't let ugly and hateful words come from your mouth. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. Don't indulge in any kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. These things all give away your power, and they give the devil an open door into your heart and mind. Instead, and this is what I wanna encourage you with, instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Your mouth a fountain of grace and inspiration. Be kind and affectionate, compassionate, forgive often. Forgiving when you feel irritated demonstrates the way that God graciously treated us. Be imitators of God in all you do. Filled with his thoughts, his love, his character. Absorb his truth and live as children of light. No distortion, no fog, static, no anger. Ask for wisdom. Turn those ears on and then act in love. God, I thank you for the truth that is your word for the way that you can and do redeem our human emotions and God we give anger a a bad rap this morning but we know that it can also be used by you as a as an alert to a way that you want to uh, refine us and sharpen us and draw us closer to you Like pain in our body, it, it just signals, like, hey, something's off, and I need you to sit with me. So, God, this morning, as we, as we take this word and we take it into our, into our week, I just pray that you would give us a discernment and wisdom as we've been asking for, but this awareness of the places that you want to continue to grow us, the next process that perhaps our anger will lead us into. God, we thank you that you're present, that you're ever near, and that you want to walk life with us in all of the things that we encounter during our weeks. So we give you thanks and praise for what you'll do through this word, through our lives, as we engage our communities this week. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.